Hey, thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense today. We're going to entertain the idea of entertainment a little longer as we go to the inbox to see what you had to say regarding last episode's 10 arguments from Scripture against attending the theater, which is to say, watching those shows that we all love to watch so much. So hang on to your seats. We've got a lot of good information coming your way the next hour. Hello and welcome back to Cross Defense. This is the show where we aim to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul all with God's word. And it's exciting. It is super exciting. We do that by looking at curious topics that spark curiosity and ignite biblical inquiry. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California. And I got to say, hey, thanks for tuning in. It's a pleasure to be with you. We're going to spend the next hour looking at actually a continuation of last week's episode, our curious topic of the theater, and Reverend C.F.W. Walther's writings, his lectures against the theater, his 10 arguments against, from Scripture, I should say, against attending the theater. And we're going to do that by going into the inbox, some of your comments and your questions, your your thoughts on this topic. You had some great things to say, and so we're going to touch on just a few of them and uh, move forward, but it will probably take about the entire show today. So uh, guess what, guys? You cannot connect with me via social media. You can't do it. I mean, if you could try. Go ahead, try, but I'm not there. Unless you consider consider social media, uh, YouTube to be social media. I guess that's it. I guess that might be social media. It has a social aspect to it, doesn't it? Uh, but why am I not there? Well, because, well, like you, I'm more than a source of data to be manipulated for profits by big tech, but also because it's a dark, depressing desert of despair. Did you know that? It's a realm created in the image of man to spread the word of man. That's what it's all about. Think about that. This world that we live in is God's creation, and even in its fallen state, even with all of our sin contribution to it, thank you, humanity, (laughs) thank you, Ty, even with the sin that we impose upon God's creation, it's still rich and vibrant, brilliant and wonderful. All the sights, the sounds, the smells, the complexity of it all. It's fantastic. God's creation, truly amazing. Man's creation, on the other hand, the internet that we choose to populate, that world that we choose to populate with our minds and our hearts, our souls, instead of this one, over and against this one, the real world that God created, it's flat. It's dull. The sights, well, they lack depth. The sounds, they fall flat. It's empty of smells. It's a diminutive representation of a dim-witted creator. Us. (laughs) That's right. I just called you a dimwit, and I am right there with you, my friend. So after years of living in what we created in in our own perverse and self-serving image, I called it quits. I did that uh, almost a couple years ago now. If you've followed me uh, on that, you might be like, well, it just disappeared. Or if you know of me from back in those days, uh, you'll know I changed my entire life, repenting uh, of my, my sinful waywardness and uh, uh, preferring to, to live in the replication. And I was absolved. 
and restored to the freedom of living in what the Lord himself fashioned, even though it's sin-tainted because of us in this real world, it is still an amazing place to live. So, yeah, dear friends, the real thing is always much better than the fabrication. And so if you want to reach out to me, that's the long-winded way of saying, if you want to reach out to me, you have a comment for the show, a question, a show suggestion, you're going to have to contact me in one of two ways either via the open mic feature on the KFUO radio app, that's a fun one, or by email, by going to stmarksferndale.com slash contact. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact. Steve sent this email in. I enjoyed listening to Cross Defense this morning regarding streaming services, TV, theater, etc. CFW Walther really hit the nail on the head. I already canceled my Netflix subscription, but I also find all TV programming like the Grammys, sitcoms, etc. to be more and more evil every day. I thought about checking out Pure Flix, which is supposed to be a more family-oriented option, but not sure if it's truly Christian. Oh yeah, Mm. the entertainment industry today, it is the devil's playground, isn't it? And the evil is getting more and more explicit with each passing episode, it would seem, with every day, which actually, Steve, think about it this way. This could be a great thing. It's a wonderful thing, actually. The devil's talons are no longer hidden under his dress. We can see the snake for who he is. We can see the pig through the makeup, right? Yeah. So, hey, thanks, devil, for showing us your cards. We want nothing to do with you. See you later. Thanks, Steve, for writing in. I really appreciate it. Eric wrote in to say, Hello, Pastor Bramwell, and Christ's peace be with you. And with you, sir. Thank you for your recent message, including a look back at CFW Walther's writings on Scripture and his arguments against Christians attending the theater. Firstly, I wanted to ask if you have a full copy of the article that you could make available, or if there is a source available. I'm interested in seeing more of Walther's writings, but an 1888 Lutheran witness is hard to come by, and I am having trouble locating it online. I also see that Walther passed away in 1887, so it appears that the writings were posted posthumously. Yeah, you bet, Eric. I would be happy to put the PDF uh, out there for you. In fact, it's already there. So uh, I did that when I got your email. So go to uh, St. Mark's website. Go to stmarksferndale.com, and instead of going to slash contact, go to slash Walther Against the Theater, and theater spelled R-E. So that's stmarksferndale.com slash Walther Against the Theater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, Walther Against the Theater. Thanks for the suggestion. It's there now. Uh, His lecture begins on page 133. (laughs) It's a digitized book, uh, digitized by Google, but you can find the PDF there uh, for your your edification. So thank you for that request. It was a great one. And thanks for the note on the death of uh, Reverend Walther and the publication date. So yeah, you're a good man, Charlie Brown. You're a good man. Eric continues, we are certainly far too accustomed to the world of media, shows, movies, and streaming in our current world. Walther's and others' warnings about plays, dramas, and media are a stunning reminder of God's word that it warns us of the ways of the world 
and a jolting reminder. Great word there, Eric. Jolting reminder of how the world's ways differ from Christ's. We do need that jolt, don't we? We often just get lulled into operating according to the world's ways, but they are different from Christ's. We have been called out of the world. We have been called to be in Christ, and this is why the world hates us. You know, one of my one of my pet peeves is when people cite the, the Bible verse about being in the world, but not of the world. And one of my pet peeves is uh, that we use that, that verse completely wrong every time, it seems. So someone will, will cite this as justification for why we can be like the world. And then when they say, well, you know, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. Exactly, guy. Exactly. So stop being like the world. But we always use that. <laughs> we misuse it every time, it seems like. Uh, pay attention next time you hear someone say that. If they, if they use that Bible verse that we are to be in the world, but not of the world, while they're trying to justify acting just like the world, well, they're using it uh, in the inverse. It, it's the opposite of <laughs> how it's meant to be. So Eric continues for the last paragraph. The line about the actors living a lie to create their role on a screen drove me to question the lines of creativity and imagination as novelists and screenwriters would claim these are their goals in creating their content. How do we distinguish these according to God's word? Is there any scripture Christians can be aware of and and how we not only look at streaming and the screen, but how our children play or how we regard art? These are great questions. Thank you, Eric. And I'm going to actually pause on them for a minute. We're going to take all of this up on a future show, if you'll bear with me, because there's a lot there. So we will deal with that in a future show, but I think you're going to find the remainder of today's discussion along that same grain, but it's not going to hit the nail on the head exactly. It's going to dance around that area and give you some more context that goes with it. So thanks thanks for that. Hold on with me. We'll get to that in another episode, but stick around. And, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. A similar comment was made by Nils asking about fiction in general. And, and Nils finds an interesting comparison between what Walther said and what Theodore Grabner says in The Borderland of Right and Wrong, his, his little tiny book. And I've, I'm pretty sure I've referenced this little work on the show before, a little thin. My copy is uh, extremely flimsy and floppy paperback. It's orange. I love it. I found it for a quarter, a quarter when I was doing my undergrad work at Concordia University, Ann Arbor. It was on a used shelf for a quarter. And I love this book. Nils notes that Grabner wrote some 40 years after Walther. And while he was dealing with the topic of the theater from a slightly different angle, he still has a decided concern for the souls of the actors. Yes, he does, Nils. Great observation. Because Nils brought it up, and because I truly appreciate Grabner's little book, listen to this section from The Borderland of Right and Wrong as it relates to our society's preoccupation with entertainment. So so listen to this, even if I've referenced this on the show before, listen to it now as we are so decidedly focused on our um, blind spot when it comes to entertainment and when it comes to the theater, the streaming shows and things like this. So here's what Grabner has to say. Any occupation, entertainment, amusement, or diversion that causes us to give a disproportionate amount of time to its enjoyment, or that 
absorbs our interest to such an extent that the weightier matters of life are neglected, no longer should be considered morally indifferent. I'm going to pause there for a second so we can really let this settle in because he's already nailing the topic. He's talking about Adiaphora and that which is neither uh, commanded nor forbidden in scripture, right? And that's the borderland between right and wrong where we have, we have some leeway here and we have some decision-making to, to d- deal with. Some pastoral discretion should be used and, and some guidance from common sense and, and our understanding of, of how we best serve our neighbor with the knowledge we have from Scripture. But it's not always a hard and fast, cut and dry, black and white kind of situation. There's that borderland, uh, the, the, maybe the gray, if you'd like to think of it that way. And he says, to help us figure this out, He says, any occupation, so if you've ever been a workaholic, pay attention to this, but any entertainment, amusement, or diversion that causes us to give a disproportionate amount of time to its enjoyment or that absorbs our interest to such an extent that the weightier matters of life are neglected. What are the weightier matters of life? Well, how about salvation? How about your eternal destination? Are you going to be with Christ forever, or are you going to be separated from him forever? That's about as weighty as it gets. How about sin and how your sin affects your neighbor? Confessing your sin, being absolved of your sin, the cross of Christ, that God loves you and was willing to go to the cross and die for you. These are the weightier matters of life. If our entertainment distracts us from, if we're so absorbed in our TV shows, in our entertainment, that we are uh, neglecting the weightier matters of life, he says, no longer should our entertainment be considered morally indifferent. It's no longer in the borderland. It's now in the black or the white. And he continues, even playing golf, (laughs) even playing golf may become sinful. The interest of boys in basketball must not be the outstanding feature of the young men's societies. So think about this. We're dealing with this in our culture right now, right? Where little league soccer, football, basketball, it takes preeminence over church attendance, doesn't it? Our, our extracurriculars should remain extracurricular. They're the added things. But today we have that flipped on its head. And so moms and dads will skip out on church for entire sports seasons so that little Johnny can, can play. And why are we doing that? With this, we've already talked about this before. They do that because of sentimentality. They do that because either they missed out on doing that experience and they really wanted to as a child or because they did that experience as a child and it was great and they have fond memories and they want to give that to little Johnny. Well, we are now generations deep into missing the point of what it is we're supposed to be doing as parents and that is raising up our children so they go to heaven, so they are forgiven of their sins. Sorry if my kid didn't get to play football. Sorry, bud, but you'll be with me in eternity with Christ. Which one's more important? Yeah, it's a, it's a no-brainer, right? So 
what he's saying is even going to little league football can become sinful if it bumps the weightier matters of life, if it bumps, bumps Christ receiving the means of grace, hearing the word of God, if it bumps it, it's no longer a, a matter of indifference. It's now immoral. It's now a sin. So even playing golf may become sinful. The interest of boys in basketball must not be the outstanding feature of the young men's societies. Absorption in the motion picture theater, <laughs> in the movies, it's a little old, little, little dated language, absorption in movies would be, would be sinful even if no immoral plays are seen. So he goes into that little area where Walther's discussing this, and he says, even if you're going to a wholesome show, if such a thing could be, if you're going to one, if you're absorbed by it, obsessed by it, if it's taking the preeminence in your life, in itself, it has become a sin, even though the content is just fine. Anything immoderate, extreme, excessive is contrary to the spiritual principle that should govern the Christian life, Gravener says. Excessive indulgences in food, utter absorption in the care of the body, even devotion to scientific study or art, has so controlled the lives of those dedicated to Christ and his kingdom that their Christianity has remained but an empty shell. We can become so consumed with all the extras that we miss the whole point. What is sound recreation, Grabner asks. And then he says, the question, this question, may answer, may be answered by finding the answer to another question. And then he has a bunch of them, not just a singular one, but he goes on to a list of them. What does it contribute to my life? So ask yourself that, dear cross-defense listener. What does a TV or fill in the blank, this can really be anything. What does it contribute to my life? Does it build up body and mind in Christ? Does it injure others that we may have pleasure? And that's the whole argument that Walter's really driving at for a big part of his 10 arguments against, against going to the theater is that it's, con it's contributing to sin. Does it brutalize passion or sublimate it? What is the, the effect with reference to the use of time? Am I wasting my time that God has given me? The use of money, am I wasting money that God has given me? The building of a home life, how is this affecting my family? The aid towards self-control, the sublimation of sex ideals. And this is a big one in our day and age. The movies, the TV shows, they influence our views of sex more than anything else. This is why we have such a corrupt uh, view of sexuality today, because we pick it up from the movies. The regard for world's, the world opinion of church people. How does this thing I'm doing, whether it's theater or something else, how does it, what's the regard of it with regard to the world's opinion for church people? Some of our people, Gravener says, and then we're going to take a break, some of our people have a blind spot when confronted with such practical questions as personal freedom in the use of the gifts of nature, the satisfaction of their appetites, their indulgence in hobbies, their subserviency to acquired habits. We do indeed have blind spots in all this uh, area. It's true, which is why I bring it up, which is why we're talking about it. So we can equip the mind 
where it has fallen flat, where we can excite the imagination to think this stuff through in a Christian way, not in a worldly way, and ultimately so we can comfort our souls because we have all fallen short of the glory of God, even in this arena. My friends, we're going to take a break real quick. We'll be right back for more Cross Defense. Thank you for tuning in. Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of Living Boldly Lutheran. Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast. The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. We do truly have a lot of blind spots today when it comes to the entertainment industry, don't we? Our consumption of TV and movies and music, all these sorts of things. Professor Grabner's questions are helpful tools to help us identify those blind spots for ourselves. So thanks, Nils. I appreciate the comment. I appreciate you taking the time to articulate it. And we'll get to some of the nuances of your observations in a future episode. So hang on to that, just like we were talking about with Eric. But in case we rushed past it, and you're trying to write down some of these helpful tools, and that's really what we want to do. We're trying to equip your mind. We want to, we want to be able to bring you comfort with the cross. Let Jesus comfort your soul. So to equip your mind, to excite your imagination, and comfort your soul, sometimes you want to take notes. And here I want to give you a chance to write down these questions. So uh, Grabner's questions when it comes to what is sound recreation, and it could be something even beyond entertainment, beyond watching movies, TV shows. But the questions are these. What does it contribute to my life? Simple question, right? What is, what, what is my imbibing in this contribute to my life? Does it build up my body and mind? Another way to ask that is, is it drawing you closer to Christ or is it pushing you away from him? Is it building you up or tearing you down? Does it injure others that you might have pleasure? An extreme example of this is pornography. The whole purpose of pornography is for the viewer to have pleasure. That's what he's seeking, short-term pleasure. But what is he doing to get that? He is inflicting injury on other people, namely the people in the movies or on the screen in the images, people who uh, shouldn't be doing that, that that is in and of itself is a sin. But as we know from um, reports of this sort of stuff and statistics and things, that those who are in the sex industry have you know, high abuse rates of drugs, they're sex trafficked. There's a lot of suicide involved. There's uh, all kinds of abuses of neighbor involved in that. So that's one extreme example. Uh, but we can do that even to, to lesser degrees as well with other things. So does it injure others so that I would have pleasure? Does it brutalize passion or sublimate it? What is the effect with reference to the use of time? Is it encouraging you to waste your time? The use of money, is it encouraging you to, to use your money poorly? These are stewardship questions, right? Does it help you be a good steward? The building up of the home life, is it helping you with that? The 
Is it an aid toward self-control? Does it sublimate sex ideals? How, how, how are we oriented when it comes to our views on sex? Sex is something that is not often talked about because of, of discretion. It should be talked about by the right people with the right people for, for the right reasons. But we blast it out there in the world, right? And, and we seek out information on sex from our TV and our entertainment because it's something that we don't just openly talk about at the dinner table. So be on guard, my friends. How are you taking in the information about sex out there in the world? When you watch your TV show and you see the homosexual couple kissing and you become desensitized to it, is that affecting your view of what love is? When you see the, the one-night stands, the hookups, all the, the people having sex in the, t- in the movies and the shows before they're married, how is that shaping your view of sex and marriage? All these sorts of things, right? The storyteller has to put it all into two hours, an hour, an episode, whatever it may be, 30 minutes. And they're not going to tell you the boring stuff. You're not going to sit through an entire wedding ceremony. They're going to jump right to the steamy stuff. Well, unfortunately, that means we end up with a world like ours, a hookup culture, apps that you can download on your phone just to go have sex with people, these sorts of things. We live in extremely perverse and dark times, and a lot of that is aided by the entertainment industry and its representation of what a sex life should look like. Don't take your, uh, your cues from the world, my friends. Take your cues from the word, from God's word, okay? And the regard for the world's opinion of church people. How, how does your absorption of entertainment shape your understanding or the understanding of your neighbors about Christians when they look at you and what you're ingesting and what you're, what you're doing? Are you a good representation of Christ? And also, are you being the recipient of good information about the church. Watch shows all the time. You see these shows where you know the Christians right now are, are villains in all pop culture, it seems, because they're the colonizing white Christian people from Europe, and they've, they've dominated the indigenous peoples, and they've, they've subjugated the LGBTQ, and if they're white, they were racist. and all. There's a whole misconception about what the Christian church is. And our pop culture is shaping it through a very narrow lens that is informed by critical theory, whether it's critical gender theory, critical queer theory, critical race theory. It's been shaped by uh, activism, social justice warriors. And what's missing from all of this and what we're receiving in the stories we watch is the shaping, the influence of the Word of God and what Christianity really is. We are taking in a straw man in our media today. The representations of the church are horrible today. And I, for one, am greatly offended by them. You should be too if you are a Christian. Those are our people. That's our story. This is our heritage under attack. And we give our money to Hollywood, and they continue making insulting and injurious to salvation 
content. That's bad grammar, I think, but you get the point. <laughs> All right, moving on to Julie's email. Pastor Bramwell, I listened to the Cross Defense Program, 10 Arguments from Scripture Against Streaming, that show. While I've attempted to be discerning about what I watch, listen to, or read, yeah, we should add books to this to make sure you think about that, the information presented in this program opened my eyes and my heart to many realities that the entertainment industry is projecting into our lives and culture and the evil influences our enemy is using and provided much food for thought. Oh, praise be to God, Julie. Thanks for sharing that with me. Thank you for presenting it. Well, you're welcome. I'm sure I'll be listening to this one again and praying for God's guidance as I contemplate my future viewing habits. Praise be to God. On a related matter, there are some faith-based productions and streaming services which I admit don't always align with our theology. True enough. Maybe a future program could be devoted to any alternatives that may be out there for Christians. Thank you, Julie, so very much. Praise be to God for his word and its influence on our lives. Thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing your reaction. The entertainment industry is truly one of the biggest, if not the biggest, influence on our lives today, isn't it? And we Christians know that the biggest influence in our life is supposed to be God, his word. When I was reading your comment, it got me thinking about the first commandment. I flipped the explanation of the first commandment in the small catechism when I first received your email. Go to page 58 if you're following along. You shall have no other gods. What does this mean? We should fear and love and trust in God above all things. The way the central thought reads here in this uh, 2017 edition of the small catechism, I find it to be really helpful as we think about our engagement with the entertainment industry, it says, all people everywhere are constantly looking for happiness, identity, security, and meaning in life. And isn't that a big part of why we watch so much TV? Happiness, identity, security, and or meaning in life. Isn't that why we watch? That's why I watch escapism, to be happy, to laugh, to, to find my identity, to be reinforced. I'm from Wyoming. I love watching Yellowstone. It takes me back to, to that part of the world. I know they're in Montana, but it takes me back to that stuff, right? My identity as a Wyomingite, this sort of thing. The entertainment industry... TV, movies, books, as you mentioned, music. It's a one-stop shop regarding all these things. Happiness, identity, security, and or the meaning of life. Happiness, when we watch to escape from the burdens of life. We watch to unwind. When we're sad. You ever pick out a comedy movie? because you know it'll make you laugh? Identity. Why do certain demographics watch certain sh genres of shows? One reason is because they reinforce our identities. Another is because the stories give us a sense of security, isn't it? They give us a sense of, of knowing ourselves. 
We find ourselves related to those people. They are relatable. That's when we say, oh, he was very relatable. It's a sense of security in who we are and where we are in our stage in life and these sorts of things. And yet another reason we watch is because they present us and sustain us in the meaning that we want for life. Not the meaning of life, but the meaning we want for life. Luke 12, 13 to 34. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge over you or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. How easy is it to guard ourselves against all covetousness when we're ingesting performances created specifically to make us covet? (laughs) The entire advertising industry is designed to make you covet what you do not have. And the ads are everywhere. Anybody remember a time when YouTube didn't have ads? I do. Now there's an ad, what, every five minutes it seems. Ads are everywhere. And even within the the content we're watching, within the performances, there's subliminal messages and product placement and all this stuff. It's the entire industry is designed to make us covet. Jesus said, take guard, take care, excuse me, and be on guard against all covetousness. Are we truly taking that seriously? For one's life, he continues, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store up my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, and this language in the Greek is suke, psyche. It's the earthly, the, the temporal focused disposition of our incorporeal part of our being. Our, our, you know, we want to say our spirit. It's our soul. The spirit is a different word. So when we say suke, soul, it's opposed to the word pneuma, spirit. And that's, that's the heavenly oriented part of our, our invisible uh, being, our internal being, right? So I will say to my soul, my psyche, soul, you have ample goods laid up for, my, for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, these earthly preparations, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the prepper's dilemma, isn't it? Survivalists spend a lot of time preparing for all these these things that may come down the road, wanting to be ready. I get it. But if we only have a suke perspective, an earthly perspective, a soul perspective, if we're trying to store up our grain for our earthly good, and then our Lord says, tonight, your soul is required of you, we die. What good is all of those earthly provisions? What good is that? And so we must always be rich toward God as well. The rich man's goal was earthly, not heavenly. 
It was a suke goal, a soul goal. This word for psychology, right? Think about how the psychiatrist is helping you deal with things that used to be dealt with uh, by your pastor, by your priest. Pastoral counseling helps you understand what you're going through in this life from the, the spirit perspective, helps you see it from the, the transcendent heavenly realm. And put it into perspective, the psychiatrist, he just helps you sort it through in the earthly realm. The rich man had a psychotic goal. <laughs> not a spirit goal, not a pneuma goal. It wasn't pneumatic. It wasn't a heavenly focused goal. And this is precisely what the text continues to address. Luke 12, 22 and following. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your soul, your, your suke, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For the soul is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Let's take a break right there. We'll be right back. You're listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. See, friends, as we consider that Luke passage, I would posit that our TV addiction feeds our anxiety. And this is what our thespian age has given us, isn't it? And it's seeped into our lives in areas that are supposed to be free from the unreal. Teenage depression and suicide keeps getting worse and worse. Why? Well, because social media, where everything is fake, where everybody is, well, to use the thespian language, lying for fun is pervasive in our culture. That's why we, we know the phrase, hashtag no filter. We have to actually declare now when we're not telling a story to our friends and family, or as we call them these days, our followers. But, but think about how we use that hashtag no filter if you're familiar with it. Is that really what your friend looks like when she wakes up in the morning? That photo on Instagram, hashtag no filter, does she really look that good? 
She just rolls out of bed that beautiful, that all put together. I mean, she used hashtag no filter. Where's her bedhead? You have bedhead when you wake up, don't you? How, how come your skin isn't as perfect as her skin when you first wake up without your makeup on? The reality is there is a filter. Even if she's not applying one from Instagram's you know, selection of filters, there is a filter. Or at least a, a comb. Some makeup is involved. A little staging of the scene before she takes the picture. The right angle. The ideal lighting. And then the precise word choice to express what she wants people to think she's feeling inside to mask what she's actually feeling. There may not be an overt filter from Instagram involved, but there is the same filter that we all project into the world. Except for now, we can't escape it. We can't see through it. Because everything that we're doing is the engagement through the screen. It's one-to-one through the screen. It's flat, and we're being deceived. Friends, the old adage... Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear is a warning fit for our internet age. The entertainment industry has saturated our lives to such a degree that we can't escape it. And it's depressing because it's a false hope, a false gospel, and it drives us to despair. So what do people do? They, they, they want to turn it off. But they don't know how. They don't know how to turn it off. Everyone's online. This is how society works now. What do I do? How do do I articulate my longing to turn all this off? I don't know. And we fear that we'll miss out if we log off. Or worse yet, if we delete our accounts. If if we don't watch the same movies everyone else is watching, the same TV shows everyone else is watching, there is this FOMO aspect, fear of missing out. And it keeps us hooked. But we can't determine where the lying ends and reality begins. And so what do we do? We make our grand exit. The the rise of suicide. The increase of depression that leads to suicide. It's crazy. It's crazy. We're killing ourselves instead of terminating our Instagram accounts instead of deleting our Netflix subscription. Because we even fool ourselves to think we have control over it, that we can handle it. Has there ever been a time when the master of the theater's words himself, Shakespeare's words themselves seem more true? All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. (laughs) thanks be to god he was wrong it only seems like that when fiction is all one knows when when we guard ourselves against the anxiety producing entertainment industry and its copious distribution channels truth has a place to settle and has time to settle and dwell within our hearts and then then dear saints peace returns the peace of christ returns He's not drowned out by all the lies. The devil speaks lies. Christ speaks truth. 
Back to our Luke text, 1231. Instead, seek his kingdom instead of being anxious. Lies breed anxiousness. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. All the things you're worried about for your life, the things the Lord knows you need, they will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Ours is a psychotic world with its treasure stored earthbound in Hollywood. But as Julie recognized, the Christian's pneumatic spiritual heart has its treasure in heaven, that is, with Christ. Our Father knows what we need. And this gets us to an often overlooked danger, a dangerous aspect of consuming faith-based productions and streaming services, as Julie mentioned and others were inquiring about, things like Pure Flix or whatever. The the request was was for a full show, but I'm going to just give you an answer right now in the remainder of this one. I hope it'll suffice. It's not going to be the end-all, be-all of the conversation. It's not going to put it to bed, but it does get, get to, and I hope it'll be helpful to you, Julie, and everyone else. I appreciate the suggestion greatly. A danger of tuning into faith-based movies and shows. Stuff like like The Chosen right now. It's extremely popular, all the hype, right? Lots of popularity, lots of conversation about The Chosen within Christian circles. A danger that goes beyond the overt false theology that we can see and discuss. As Julie rightly noted, you know, we want to make sure that what we're taking in is, is theologically accurate. But... Beyond that, this this danger is even more insidious. What are we subjecting our hearts and souls to? What sort of fiction are we going to be preoccupied with instead of the truth? So like in the case of a show like The Chosen, there is a real danger of replacing God's true word recorded and preserved in Scripture handed down from the apostles through the divine service, your worship service, with a man's made-up word presented in exciting and intriguing scenes with appealing lighting and an emotional soundtrack and all the hashtag no filter stuff we just talked about. And here's the worst part, with a fictional plot, a fictional plot and, and character development. Instead of focusing on what is, we're drawn to what could have been. Speculation. Lutherans understand well that we are, uh, we are to say only what God says. No more, no less. What he says. Perhaps there's an argument to be made that something like the chosen serves to build people up. I get that. Build us up in our faith. We want to, we want to take in good, faithful stuff. And I applaud that goal. But there is a problem with the execution, I'm afraid. If one isn't knowledgeable with the source material, which let's be honest, our biblical literacy is wanting today. If we're not familiar with the source material, we cannot discern truth from fiction. And when the fiction is presented in a method that is more palatable to the people, in a more intriguing way, according to the cultural standards, well, 
then it's going to overwrite God's word. Receiving something on the TV screen, on your phone, it's passive, it's easier. It comes much easier, less work than reading it. You have to actively engage your own imagination. You have to form the images in your own brain rather than letting someone else form the images on the TV screen for you. It's harder work to read the word. So we're inclined to prefer the fiction, someone else's hard work than than the fact. We might even inadvertently be deceived and, and and because of our own ignorance of scripture, think all of what we're watching on a show like The Chosen is actually in the Bible. How many people out there right now think a lot of the storylines in the, in the chosen actually are in the Bible, even though the creators clearly say they, they take a lot of creative license. Thank you for that. I really appreciate their honesty there. See, Paul's instruction to Timothy comes to mind as we think about this stuff, all of this. First Timothy chapter one, verse three, as I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine nor devote themselves to myths, stories, endless genealogies, which promote speculations, promote worthless imaginings, rather than the stewardship, the task, the job, the plan, the administration from God that is by faith. What are we told to stick with? The apostolic doctrine, holy scripture. What are we told not to devote ourselves to? Stories which promote speculation. It seems pretty simple there. It's just a matter of do we want it to be that simple or not. Again, Paul speaks about this to Pastor Timothy in his second letter to him, 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, into stories. I hate to break it to you if you don't know already, but our entire postmodern culture is one giant excursus, excursion, (laughs) excuse me, into myths. Fiction defines us as a people. From transgenderism to scientism to critical race theory, the breakdown of the family, to your social media feed, to the phrase, my truth, and on and on and on. We have drunk deeply from the thespians' well, and we are uh, thespis's well, and we are staggering and stumbling about, intoxicated in all the lies and all the myths that breed nothing but speculation. This makes me think also of uh, 2 Timothy 3, 7. Paul's describing the godlessness of the day, of the last days. And uh, he says to avoid the charlatans, those people who appear to be godly but aren't. And they, they creep into households. They capture weak women burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth, he says. What's this about? Well, While the husband's off at work, the quacks would come around and they deceive the wives who were burdened by their sins and and who were receptive to false teachings. Our entire society is burdened by its sins, isn't it? All of us are. And full of various passions that lead us astray. We're all these weak women today. 
And this is why shows like The View exist. Oprah, before that, right? This is, this is why Joel Osteen can get away with the prosperity gospel. You ever wonder, like, why don't anybody listen to that guy? What, what's going on? That's why. <laughs> because we're burdened by our sins and, and we're, we're receptive to be letting astray. We want to be led astray in a real sense. But now the creeping into the house that Paul mentioned doesn't have to happen physically. The, the false teacher doesn't have to come into your own home and lead you astray. He can just do that with your phone. Just with the screen in your hand, he can lead you astray by, by your social media feed. A warning against preferring man's myths to God's truth. It's not just a Pauline thing either, my friends. Take a look at 2 Peter 1.16. What's it say? For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, stories. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is the main concern, specifically about the chosen that I have, but even other productions, all of this entire topic we're talking about here, the audience is being presented with cleverly devised myths based on scripture. It's not a secret. It doesn't, doesn't, it's not done maliciously. The creator of the show is open about using creative license to tell a good story that we know this is how Hollywood works. This is how the you know, movie industry works. We want them to tell good stories. And that might be the thrust of the problem. I think it was C.S. Lewis. I think it was C.S. Lewis. It might have been Chesterton who said something to the effect that Christianity is the true story, but it's not the, the best story. It's the true story, but not the best in the sense of, of telling a good story. It, do, it doesn't tick all the boxes, Christianity doesn't, that we want it to. Why? Because we prefer the victory be won by the vanquishing of the enemy, not the surrendering to him. We prefer that Christ slay Satan and not be slain, right? The romance of it all is, is, isn't as polished as one of the, the pagan myths. So we, we don't expect it to be a good story. Not in that sense. But to, but to use Lewis's language, if it was him who said that, Christianity is the true myth. It's history. It's fact. It's truth. Whether it's polished or not doesn't matter. It's true. The narrative of all of it isn't the point. The reality of it is. And the story just comes by telling it to other people. So there is a clear danger to setting out to spreading the gospel by telling a good story using screens, modern Hollywood techniques, using creative license. So we're going to have to leave it there, guys. I thought we might be able to have a little more time to get to some more of this. Let's see how much more of the show. We're almost done. Ah, oh, I'm so sorry we didn't have a chance to, to get to the end of my show. I had prepared some different notes. I wanted to take us to some different places. But I will leave you with this. I will leave you with this quote from G.K. Chesterton, and I know he said this because I took a moment to write it down before the show. He said in his book, Orthodoxy, it is always easy to let the age have its head. The difficult thing is to keep one's own. And that's what we're dealing with. It's always easy to let the age have its head. The difficult thing is to keep one's own. We'll talk to you next week. Christ be with you. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.